Hey, good evening. We're joining a uh, Twitter Spaces conversation already in progress. Uh, I was scrambling to uh, get the system up and running. Graham uh, kicked it off, and uh, thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy this content as you ride around on your commutes or doing your yard work or whatever you do when you're listening to us. We always appreciate you downloading and checking out uh, what we do here on Dog Sports Live. With that, uh, here comes Graham on Twitter Spaces. What his official job title ends up being because he was Mario Cristobal's passing game coordinator at Oregon and then moved to Miami with him and took a role that of kind of co-OC. Um, I don't think he was going to be the, the main play caller by any measure, but uh, definitely was going to have an influence in the offense and be curious to see if Georgia is planning on giving him a role that's similar in that sense where, you know, he has an opportunity to put his fingerprints on some things schematically and have some influence on the playbook and situational calls. And, um, you know, as a receivers coach, I'm sure he'll certainly have some say so and some personnel matters. And, you know, the receiver rotation was obviously a, a point of contention for certain people, I know it's something that Josh and I talked about a good bit on our show uh, in between the SEC championship game and the college football playoff because Georgia, you know, was playing eight, nine, ten guys at receiver and nobody was getting more than about 20, 20 or so, you know, maybe 25 snaps a game, um, including Jermaine Burton, who just left to go to, to Alabama and, you know, it seems like a lot of that decision, at least according to people who uh, who were kind of plugged in to his thought process there, was that he wasn't getting enough targets, getting enough snaps and reps uh, and looks to put up the type of numbers that he felt like he would need to put up to, to go round one. Counter to that is that George Pickens just missed this entire season, played in three games, uh, had a couple big catches, in those three games, but was always on a snap limit was never, you know, full go like we were used to seeing him his first and second year in Athens. And he is uh, being projected as a first round pick in a lot of mock drafts. We'll see how that works out in April. So interesting times, uh, you know, a lot of conversation around the offense. Uh, Stetson Bennett decided to come back since the last time I've talked to you guys, which uh, I think, there is a misnomer maybe that that Stetson um I don't know is you know is guaranteed the job I think that's kind of the the impression from a lot of folks and then the flip side is that on the heels of that news that he was returning JT Daniels decided to leave uh and so you know I've seen some people go so far as to say that Stetson was selfish for coming back because it caused JT Daniels to leave and some pretty, you know, bold takes, I guess, to say the least. But I think the reality of the situation is that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a Georgia fan, I think JT Daniels was probably leaving either way. Uh, and so, you know, I, it, my intel is that there had been enough things that have happened uh, kind of between him and that staff. And um, he had sort of, you know, lost maybe some, some of his following in the locker room. Jermaine Burton obviously was still 
team JT, right? We heard that they might be a package deal in the transfer portal. So I'm not saying anything is absolute because nothing is ever absolute or black and white. But uh, there was definitely some stuff that went down there that, you know, caused caused him to, to feel like it was time to, to seek another situation, although we haven't seen him officially transfer yet. So I guess there is still the possibility he could come back to Georgia. Uh, I don't expect that to happen by any you know, any means at this moment. I don't have any uh, intel or anything like that that I'm not sharing with you guys. I'm just saying that it is something that is within the realm of possibility, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think as we move forward, uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion, a lot of focus on that wide receiver room and what the wide receiver classes look like under Brian McClendon because uh, Cortez Hankton, I think, not a, you know, all world receiver coach, but I think he did a better job than a lot of people gave him credit for. I really do. And uh, looking back now at kind of some of the conversations around him, I think a lot of people, you know, have been tough on him. And he did not recruit his room to the same standard that, uh, say, Trey Scott has recruited on the defensive line or, um, the you know the previous defensive backs coaches have have recruited i mean like you know they're or the offensive line for that matter like he you know did not bring in a ton of studs but also if you go back and look at the 2019 2020 recruiting class uh you see arian smith jermaine burton marcus roseby class before that dominic blaylock george pickens so i think george has had a lot of bad luck in the wide receiver room to a certain extent with injuries and guys that they thought were going to be there, not being there. So keep that in mind, right? Like as we talk about this, as, as we judge this, you know, um, I think to be fair to Hankton, at least that should be mentioned, but uh, you look at what McClendon did. He brought two of the top eight wide receivers in last year's recruiting class to Oregon. Um, I can promise you that, Georgia is a much easier place to recruit to than Oregon. And especially now with a national title ring, um, I mean, the, the beast is going to be unleashed from a recruiting standpoint point, And Georgia is going to become a even more dominant force on the recruiting trail than they already are, which feels pretty wild to say when you consider that, that Kirby Smart has already signed, you know, a number one class in his time in Athens. But I think that it's going to get even scarier, even more impressive over the coming months. So, Something to watch for, um, but I, I think, you know, the whole receiving conversation, um, it all comes back to Stetson Bennett, which, you know, ends up creating something that uh, a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about. Uh, my personal opinion is that the, you know, there's, there's limitations that Stetson Bennett has as a quarterback. He is not a transcendent talent like uh, Trevor Lawrence or uh, – a Joe Burrow or, you know, some of these guys that you've seen. Um, but I think he's a very good quarterback who keeps the offense on schedule. Uh, I think that probably the best thing he does is get the ball downfield, which is attractive to a lot of wide receivers. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the thing to really look at with receiving and recruiting going forward is not just what does Georgia do on offense in 2022, where, I you know, I, I think that Georgia will have to – to score more points in 2022 than they did in, in 2021. They will not have the same defense they just had. I think the defense will still be very good, but this was a historically good defense that Georgia trotted out in 2021. So 
something to watch for there uh, is just kind of, you know, how, how the cookies crumble a little bit. But I, I think that Georgia will – you'll probably see more of Stetson Bennett's skills if he is the starter in 2022 just because Georgia will need to keep – the offense open for much more of the game than they did in this past season. So, um, but yeah, when you talk about recruiting the next classes, it's like, who are the, who are the other guys that are coming that these receivers are going to get to play around, you know, is, uh, is a guy like Arch Manning going to sign on or another five-star quarterback where these guys look at them and, or maybe they've gone to some of these recruiting camps with them and, they know what he can do and they know that he can make them look good. And they know if they get separation downfield that he's going to throw a frozen rope to them and, and put it on a dime. So all that is, uh, you know, stuff to consider when kind of sussing all this out and, and, and talking about it and thinking about it. Um, I do think that Georgia is, you know, you're already seeing kind of some of the, the benefits of this national title payoff for UGA. Uh, Nolan Smith returning is a really, really great thing. Um, you know, kind of have an opportunity to come back and be the leader on the defending national champions. Obviously, it was attractive to him. Uh, the, the coaching hires going out and getting all these, you know, getting McClendon, getting Bobo to come which I know Bobo's a UGA alum and he has relationships with Muschamp and he has relationships with Kirby Smart, but bringing those guys back to Athens um, and, you know, in, in Bobo's case, he turned down quarterback coach opportunities. He turned down other on-field coaching opportunities reportedly to, to come back to Georgia. So I, I see that as a, you know, a very big uh, statement in the affirmative for, for what Kirby Smart's doing and, some some coaches with good experience uh, wanting to be a part of it. I mean, Brian McClendon, truthfully, you know, just from a recruiting standpoint at least, there's not many guys out there in the wide receiver coaching world that uh, you would rather want. I mean, maybe maybe like Brian Hartline from Ohio State, but I, I don't know what else. You know, like I really don't know who else you're. Uh, you're really wanting over him. I mean, just if you look at the guys that he's put in the NFL, if you look at the guys he's recruited, I mean, the end of the Rick era, if you imagine it without uh, Brian McClendon, it gets a little bit scary because there's, there's no Sony Michelle. There's no Nick Chubb. There's no Keith Marshall. You know, there, there's no Todd Gurley. There's no uh, Isaiah Wynn. There's no DeAndre Walker. There's no Isaiah McKenzie. There is no Reggie Carter. I mean, there's a lot of guys that he has his fingerprints on as the primary recruiter. And then that's before we even talk about the secondary relationships. Um, So big deal there for Georgia. Um, You know, I I think Georgia's recruited really well over the last couple of years. Uh, They've had top three classes, but – they haven't always gotten like their guys maybe in the sense of the, the guy that they really, really wanted and that they were on from the start of the recruiting cycle, especially on offense hasn't always ended up in Athens. So be interesting to see if he's capable of, of kind of turning that tide a little bit. Um, we'll take some questions and, and chat a little bit. Uh, I see uh, we've got 
one here. So I'm going to um, start adding some of you guys in as speakers and we can fire away and whatever you guys want to talk about is, is on limits. Um, UGA PRRTHD, you have been added as a speaker. How's it going? It's going good. A couple of statements and then a question for sure. you. Absolutely. First of all, welcome home, BMAC. Yeah. God, that's a Absolutely. great ad. Bobo, come along. Don't bring a green notebook. Um, second statement is Coca-Cola. You got to step your game up. 1980 blows 2021 out of the water. <laughs> uh, step up, Coca-Cola. They're your home team. My question for you, Bam, and thank you for taking my call. Is of course. With our seniors graduating and the early declares for the NFL, have we recruited deep enough to replace the defensive front seven? Oh, man. So, I mean, you're not going to replace uh, guys like Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, uh, Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall. I mean, you can you can reload in a sense or, you know, yeah. you can – you can bring guys in, but you're not, you're just not going to get that level of play out of your front seven again next season. Um, I mean, when you look at how Georgia's recruited, I think they've recruited about as well as you could, could want or hope to. Um, but I, I don't think that they've recruited, you know, quite well enough to, to just say, we're going to replace these guys. Cause some of those guys are, you know, we've never, not never, but I mean, we rarely see a Jordan Davis, uh, in football, right? I mean, like, exactly. you, you just rarely see a 330-pound guy that can chase a running back down and you know, four, beat, four. Him, beat him to the sideline. Right. Sure. I mean, Devontae Wyatt is another guy where I think really unsung, but there were some some games like the Tennessee game where he was just so disruptive, and, and he's another guy who's just a, a freakish athlete. Um, Jalen Carter is a, another one of those. He's a first-round talent, right? Um, I, I think that he's a guy that – as good as he is. And I think a lot of people kind of saw him even amongst that crew that was in Athens this past season as the most talented defender or defensive lineman on that team. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have to be an anchor. He'll be a starter. It will not be as much, uh, rotation and kind of, you know, breaks for him. He's a guy they're going to rely on heavily. Uh, but there's guys that they've like, if you look at the way that Georgia played on defense, this past season and the way they've really played on defense under Kirby smart. Uh, there's a lot of guys who played a lot of snaps for Georgia on the defensive line. Uh, Zion Logue has played a lot of snaps. Um, trying to go back through some notes here and kind of look at some of these, uh, some of these snap counts for, for UGA. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys who have some experience, but there's a lot of guys that, that are going to need to step up. Um, Who's our junkyard dog next year? In what sense? As in the biggest defensive disruptor on the field. Uh, it's either Jalen Carter or it very well could be uh, Dumas Johnson. The He can play outside yeah. or inside linebacker. Uh, we saw him, you know, with the pick six against UAB, his first game, but – the people that I've talked to uh, who who are well plugged in and, and would know um, 
say that, you know, in practices at the end of the year, it, it seemed like the light really came on for him and he was, mm-hmm. you know, out there making, making the type of plays that uh, some of these other guys that we watched on the field were making in games. He was doing that in practice. So I, I think that we'll, you know, see a lot of him and it'll be curious to see if he ends up at inside backer or outside backer, but you know, I like the, Tramel Walthers and Logue, we were just talking about um, Nazir Stackhouse. Like some of these guys, Warren Brinson, they've been getting snaps, they've been getting experience, um, and, and they'll have to step up. Tresman Marshall is one of them. Uh, Tymon Mitchell on the defensive line, and I mean, you you have some recruits coming in, like Barry Alexander. I know he just yep. had a, a shoulder surgery, I believe it was, but. He's a guy that, that fits kind of that Devontae Wyatt mold. Michael Williams, absolute freak. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. can be that guy that's disruptive off the edge, kind of that Adam Anderson sort of presence. Nolan Smith, you know, I mean, there, there's plenty of talent there. It's just will they emerge in the time frame that, uh, that Georgia needs them to. And, I mean, I think that a big thing will be that Oregon game. I think Georgia will – you know, have to get through that test uh, and then they'll have a little bit of a, a chance to kind of settle in and, and see some of these guys develop and hopefully the light comes on before they get to the meat of that SEC schedule in late September and early October. And last comment, seriously, if you've got any contacts in Coca-Cola, <laughs> tell them they're embarrassing themselves. I can't – I've got a six-pack of the 1980s sitting on my mantle. And I can't imagine putting a sixth pack of what they're offering now. That's just an embarrassment. <laughs> so I Thanks don't have any, I don't have any contacts at Coca Cola, but I have been told, and I don't know if this is a rumor or if this is actually true, but the word has been that uh, they are planning on putting out like a, a full design bottle. I think in April, but they just put these mini ones out to kind of satisfy the the demand right after the national title so hopefully that's correct and we get the full you know the full workup like like you have because i have some of the 1980 coca-colas as well uh you know they've been passed down or yeah i'll I'll stop into like a random antique store in the appalachians and find them i've always collected them um so what's that you making me feel old brother (laughs) <laughs> well hey man i didn't mean it like that but you know no, you find them around hey thanks for the call absolutely thanks for listening have a good evening you too uh world series champ da we got you rolling in here um and i'm gonna bring bring my guy dog stats on if you want to hop in here josh um world series champ uh, Drew Aspinwall, I believe you were. <clears throat> Graham, how we doing? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Uh, so what's your thoughts on how we're going to utilize Darnell more this year? We think we're going to split him out more, try to hit him over the middle, kind of his three-point stance, or are we we going to try to get him in the slot? What's kind of your thoughts how we're going to try to use Darnell or if it's kind well, of similar the way we've done this last year, kind of more of a block in and set it up in a two tight end set with Brock. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think first and foremost, uh, if you could tell me how the offensive line is going to play, I'll have a, be- a much better, you know, 
idea. Because if the offensive line is is good and they're able to play just you know straight up with that front five and they don't need him helping and chipping as much, then I think there's a lot more potential to to flex him out and put him out wide and do a lot of things that we saw them do more so than his freshman year than we did this year. But I think it's important to remember when we talk about Darnell that he was, you know, hurt at the start of this year and he had that uh, injury. I think it was a, a foot injury, if I recall correctly. And and that's a that's a tough injury for a guy that's 280 to get over. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a reason why when he returned to the lineup, we saw him blocking a lot more and credit to him, you know, for being a willing blocker. But uh, I I think that in 2022, you know, you're probably going to have to rely on those tight ends, maybe even more than you did this year, just losing Burton, losing Pickens, um, losing some of these guys. So it's, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I would say, if I had to put my money on it right now, I think you'll see him flexed out more. I still think you'll see him block plenty and, and do lots of the great things that he does in pass pro and in the run game. But uh, just because the, the receiving core across the board, whether that's tight ends running backs, you know, you don't have James cook next year who he took a lot of targets in the passing game as well. So I think there's more balls to go around, but one thing that's interesting, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today actually is like, if you look at some of the kind of, you know, the gripes, I guess, of the Georgia fan base right now, it's like a lot of people are complaining that, you know, Georgia hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since Terrence Edwards. And that's, that's why Jermaine Burton left. Um, and, you know, there was some article that was put out by dog nation and they were talking to some of the top, top wide receiver recruits from this past class that didn't decide to come to Georgia. And one of them made a comment about like, you know, the tight end shouldn't have 800 receiving yards. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like a lot of the, a lot of people are also mad that Darnell's not getting enough touches at the same time. They're mad. There's not a thousand yard receiver. So it'll be interesting just cause there's, there's only so many balls to go around. I mean, I think if, if the Georgia defense is struggling and is in a lot more close games, then, um, you know, all those numbers go up for everybody, but yeah, I would expect Darnell, you know, I know there was some talk of him potentially transferring. It seems like he's he's staying for now. Um, doesn't mean he couldn't leave after the spring semester if he, if he ultimately decided he wanted to, but I think you're going to see him featured, uh, probably in a lot of different ways. I would imagine there's probably been some conversations about how they can get him, uh, a little more involved as a pass catcher. But the tough thing about him is that if he decided to just go for it and be an offensive tackle tomorrow, he would end up being a top 10 NFL pick in a year. Uh, Cause he's that kind of athlete. He's that freakish. Um, but he's a guy that wants to be a receiver, you know? Um, so it'll be very fascinating to see how that shakes out, especially with Eric Gilbert coming in the fold too. So I, I muted you cause I was getting a little echo. Um, let me unmute your mic here or my back. Oh, sorry. Um, I think I may have bumped you by mistake. Sorry about that. I've got drummer dog. Um, how are you doing drummer dog? Drummer dog, you were on as a speaker. 
Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right. I just wanted to get your feel about the uh, the quarterback room, uh, Ben, that, that uh, Bennett's coming back. Are, are you hearing any kind of – anything about any transfers or uh, any kind of noise going on? No, I'm not. Um, I honestly, you know, if you put a gun to my head before the offseason and said, uh, you know, pick who transfers out of the Georgia quarterback room, I would have picked Carson Beck long before I would have picked JT Daniels. I still thought there was a good chance JT Daniels was transferring, but there was a time where everyone thought Beck was just gone for sure. Um, and so, you know, I think him staying is interesting. Uh, he's a guy that we heard a lot of good stuff out of spring practice and fall practice last year. Uh, but I, I think that the the big question is, like, does Brock Vandegrift take the leap, right? Um, you know, it, it's either Brock Vandegrift takes the leap physically and mentally with reading defenses, uh, and I know that they kind of went through a process with him of revamping his delivery and shortening his delivery a little bit, and I think that that kind of – that, that process took some time and he kind of struggled with that adjustment for a little while. And then it sounded like during bowl practices, the light came on and he was uh, looking really, really good. So I think if, if he's a guy that can come out and assert himself, there's a, a great opportunity for him to start again. Like I said, kind of earlier on, um, I, I think it could be a situation where Stetson starts that first game and then you maybe see somebody else take over midseason if, if their play is, is warranting it. Um, but don't rule out Carson Beck. I mean, I think the, the, the knock on him has been a little bit of related to sort of how he um, kind of how he's like, I guess just sort of his, I don't want to say he's a struggles with leadership or whatever, but it's just like, I don't know that he's a guy that's really like taking control of the locker room um, or, you know, has been able to get a bunch of guys to rally behind him. Uh, and also, in fairness to him, it's like, you know, it's hard to, to do that when you haven't been given a chance to start. So who knows? We'll see. But, yeah, I think Beck is a, a talented guy to keep an eye on. They're all talented. It's just a question of who can read the defense, um, who can get them in the right play situations pre-snap. It's all the little things that, you know, I think we as fans often don't, maybe talk about enough or focus on enough because we're like, we want the guy that's six six and has a rocket arm and has some escapability from the pocket, which Brock Vandegrift is a lot of those things, if we're being fair. Uh, also, uh, I haven't heard much about Dominic Blaylock um, really coming back into the fold. Do you, are, are you hearing anything about him? Tell I mean, me we saw him, you know, get some reps and some, some games late in the year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it was on special teams he was playing at times at the end of the year. But, I mean, he, he went through those two ACL surgeries. And it's, it's just it's tough to do conditioning when you've, when you've had an ACL go out like that. So I think it's, it's going to be a process for him, right? It's going to take some time. And we'll have to see kind of where, where it all shakes out. But at the end of the, the – I mean, you, you've got nine months in this, in essence, or eight months. And so that's a lot of time for him to get in shape. Uh, I think that he is committed to being at Georgia. I think that he is committed to working hard. I don't think there's a guy that, you know, anybody would, would rather see have a, a great season 
than him, right? Uh, and he's also a guy that with the COVID rules, he hasn't lost a year of eligibility. I mean, like, you know, with the COVID rules and a medical red shirt, uh, he's in a spot where, you know, he still has three years to play college football if he wants to. I'm not saying that's what he wants to do necessarily, but uh, if he can stay healthy, I, I, I would – I would think that he could definitely be a a contributor for that wide receiver room again, because, you know, lad is kind of, even though he's that shifty guy that you would normally think of as a slot receiver, the majority of his snaps in the second third of the season, or I guess the last two thirds of the season, I should say, um, those came on the outside at the Z receiver position. So I think if, if lad is, maybe you know asserting himself there in a sense or he's going to take some snaps there you know you still have Kyrus who uh, is kind of a Swiss army knife he can he can play outside but I think he's a guy that you want inside of the slot and I, I mean I think uh, a slot rotation of Kyrus and a healthy Dominic Blaylock would be pretty formidable so uh, it'll it'll be fascinating to see how it all shakes out because because Blaylock was a guy that I mean really really came on the last month of of his freshman season. Um, and it, it was a shame the way that it all played out with the ACL with him. Cause it felt like, uh, if, if he doesn't get injured, you know, he might be kind of right there with, uh, with Pickens heading to the NFL draft and looking at being a, a high round pick. Uh, so for sure pulling for him. Is that sort of the same situation with, uh, uh, Rosemary Jack Saint, you know, kind of just working back, from an injury trying to get back into the fold yeah i mean roseby had the big injury the broken leg uh at, in the florida game obviously and then this off season it seemed like he was in a really good place going into fall camp and then kind of just kept getting dinged up and was never 100 percent healthy this year i think he had a hamstring maybe at one point or just kind of some nagging stuff that that kept him from ever really flashing. But you look at a guy that, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think we saw him get a target after the Missouri game. I could be totally wrong, but I don't remember him catching a pass after the Missouri game. But, you know, on the biggest play of the season for Georgia on offense, maybe, uh, that the, the Brock Bowers touchdown in the national title game, he's out there winning his one-on-one block, pushing his guy 15 yards deep into the paint of the end zone. And, yeah. You know, so, I mean, he's like you talk about a guy that's engaged and doing all the right things and that a coaching staff is going to want a reward with some some targets for doing the dirty work. He definitely fits that bill. And I mean, he's a guy, too, that I think like I loved him as a recruit. He has freakishly large hands. Um, People that have shook his hand before, uh, like, you know, even guys that are recruiting. reporters and are you know at those events all the time have told me you know he may be like the largest hands they've ever seen on a wide receiver um so yeah i mean a guy that just can big catch radius can do things that uh that really will you know make your jaw drop in terms of highlight stuff but uh another guy who just needs to have a a good healthy off season and, and get back in that conditioning and i think that he's a guy that you know, Georgia's probably relying on with uh, with Burton having left the program. All right, man. Appreciate your yeah. uh, analysis, Graham. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for jumping in. All right, uh, dog stats. I know you have a question from uh, Twitter or uh, from YouTube for us, so I am inviting you to speak. Make sure you look at your DMs. Um, I have uh, Ben Frost here. Let's add you as a speaker. Ben, you are uh, on. Hey, what's up, Grant? Appreciate you having the space tonight. Absolutely. Um, this might be a little off topic, but I heard, obviously, A.D. Mitchell, from everything we know, is just heading into his like true sophomore year, had a great freshman year. But then I saw something that he might, between his like movement in high school between Texas and Tennessee, he might have like graduated a year ahead of when he enrolled in Georgia, and he's actually headed into his third year out of high school. That might just be some random thing on a message board, but have you heard anything like that? Or I know he's older, so that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think he is... I mean, I think he's 20 or 21 years old already. Um, so that, that wouldn't shock me. Let's see his, uh, when is his birthday? Yeah, I would have to, I would have to ask somebody. It, it looks like he did not play high school football in 2020. So that would make sense. Um, but 2019 was his junior season. I think 2020, he just didn't play high school, maybe because of some COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know that he graduated in 2019. He would have had to have graduated in 2019. But that stuff can be tricky with credits and, you know, uh, all that. So I'd have to ask somebody that's a little more uh, familiar with, with his situation. Actually, I, I got a text from somebody that's – that's listening in right now. Yeah. So he's still, it looks like he's still a, uh, a three-year guy. So we, Georgia should have two more seasons of him. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That just, that made sense. And given his recruiting profile, like it wouldn't be a lot of coverage. I saw that gap in high school too. Uh, yeah. Any, for sure. any expectations for him? I mean, he had got a lot of playing time. He struggled with not struggled, but he had a few drops kind of on some catchable balls. And then obviously, had a great like end of the postseason. How are we feeling about him on kind of that X receiver one on one against the SEC? Yeah, totally. No, I mean I think he's like his route running ability is is very very mature for a guy his age and you know for a true freshman. Um, you saw the catch radius at times. You know you saw what he can do on some some balls down the field. I think the the one thing that never really clicked this season and it's it's kind of impossible for us to know if it's a if it was a quarterback issue or a wide receiver issue or both at times but the timing on some of those kind of stop fade routes to the sideline never really developed between him and Stetson it was something that they they tried to run at a lot of junctures throughout the season but you never really saw it fully click but I do think that uh you know that's that's something that that just takes work and practice and those two guys getting on the same page and getting used to kind of dancing with each other for, you know, lack of a better term. Um, so I, I would expect him to be, you know, a, a starter for Georgia next year. Um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't, you know, he started for Georgia this season uh, as a true freshman. So I think the, 
expectations for him are sky high just because, yeah, he can go downfield. You know, he can catch balls over guys' heads and win 50-50 shots down, down the sideline. But he also can do a lot of great things in tight spaces. Uh, you go look at his his touchdown against Auburn, um, you know, that little kind of sling route he did out there. Um, you know, I mean, like he's he's got very good footwork. And so I think Georgia can use him in third and four and they can use him in first and ten. Um, so, yeah. Well, feel the same. Got excited for this team coming up young. Got a lot of potential to see how – kind of they improve throughout the year kind of see that see what the coaches are up to yeah it'll be interesting I mean I think if you're a Georgia fan like you know you just broke the drought and would it be great for Georgia to to repeat or you know go on another run next season absolutely but like uh you know if I can kind of put on my fan hat like there's part of me that's like man if Georgia goes you know 10 and 2 next year but they get a lot of these young guys into the fold and, you know, get them the experience they're going to need to, to come back hungry in 2023 and make a real run at it. And then that's great. And that sets you up really well as a program. Um, so I, I think it'll be like as much as everyone has loved uh, Jordan Davis and, you know, the Nicobe Dean and some of these guys that have been stalwarts of their positions for three and four years. Uh, the exciting thing and the fun thing about college football is that, you know, we get fresh faces, uh, you know, you don't have 20-year starters in college football. So it'll be a lot of fun to see what some of these guys can do because, you know, we've all followed them as recruits and um, watched their progress. Well, feel the same. Appreciate the time. Yeah, Ben, have a good one, man. <laughs> all right, against my better judgment, I'm going to add Craig Lawson in here. I know he's going to yell at me for something I've said that he disagrees with, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling strong tonight, so I'm ready for it. Craig, how's it going, buddy? Oh, yeah. We're can you hear me? How yes, you doing, man? Good, buddy. I was just giving you a hard time. How oh, sorry. Uh, so it uh it cut out. I missed it. Um. Oh, oh, I was just joking. <laughs> so well, I, okay. Well, in all seriousness, I was going to ask: Do you yeah. think if Georgia doesn't repeat, that Kirby Smart should be fired? Because I thought I saw you tweet that earlier what i'm just messing with you i'm just you, messing with i'm messing no. with you back uh, <laughs> um i'm sure somebody has said so it, I, no. i've been yeah it's probably out there um so i've been kind of mulling over because there's a lot of stuff y'all are hitting on that is interesting and i'd like to get your take on but since we're talking about receivers all right let's imagine mm-hmm. um that everybody's healthy so arian smith the fastest man in college football dominic blaylock who you know, was a starter, as, as, as I recall, as a true freshman or, or a big-time contributor. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Rosemary Jackson, he low-key had one of the best catches of the season. I think it was against Missouri where the – Yep, on the side Yeah, lines. where the, the defensive back went – I mean, it should have been a, a deflected pass, and he just, like you said, used those huge hands. Um, you know, uh, Arik Gilbert, I mean, I don't know if you – I haven't heard any update on him. I assume there is not one at this point and probably won't be for a while. And then you got the two freshmen who started this year. Uh, and then the, our leading receiver, Brock Bowers. And then there's also Darnell Washington. But just keeping it to the receivers, I think we know who the top two tight ends are. 
Who do you think, if you had to name, you know, two outside guys and a slot, who do you think the st- – and then Kyrus Jackson, who led us in receiving the year before last or two years ago. I don't know. But who do you think the, the top three guys would be if everybody is healthy? Does it matter who the quarterback is to you in that scenario? What do you, how, how would you see that playing out if we're, if we're so lucky? You're talking about this past season or the one No, the one up? coming up, if everybody is healthy, does it depend on who emerges as the starting quarterback? Or like who, who do you think the top three guys would be, two on the outside and one in the slot? Oh man, um, I I think that you know on on the receiving side, I mean, if Eric Gilbert's healthy, he's like if he's healthy and he's ready to go and he's in full form, then then he's one of your guys on the outside. Um, that you know that that feels pretty obvious to me. I think your other outside guy is, is Ad Mitchell, and then in the slot. Um, I guess lad. There's you know, so many guys, but there's a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think like, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I've tweeted this because I, I think it would probably stir up a bunch of shit. And I, you know, as much as I enjoy doing that, sometimes I, I try to avoid it at others, but I, I, I truthfully think if, if Arian Smith is ever has a full season where he's a hundred percent healthy and a hundred percent conditioned and, you know, can, can go out and play where he's not on like a, a snap restriction or anything like that, that he'll probably make a lot of people forget about the Jermaine Burton transfer. Yeah. He's um, like Waddle, right? I mean, or maybe, maybe a step faster. Yeah. He's a, you know, he's a Waddle or a, uh, you know, he's not a Mechie. Mechie's a little bit bigger and stronger and, and more built, but I mean, he's, he's fast. It's just, you know, can he develop a full route tree and all that stuff? But I don't know that it really matters at the college level. It's just Go deep. Because, right, exactly. Going deep and the fact that, you know, Mitchell or Gilbert is probably drawing the number one DB. Um, but I, I also have been told that, you know, I'm like we haven't seen him play at the slot very much. So it's like I don't know if that's something that, they want him to do or something that he's willing to do, you know? So I, I think there is like that question there. Cause I think if he could, if he ever decided I want to be a slot receiver, it'd be over with. Right. Um, but even on the outside, his, his skill set is just so unique that you can just lob him up downfield and he's going to run under it more times than not. Um, so, I mean, yeah, those would be my three, uh, Arik Mitchell and, um, and lad but didn't has smith uh, played it, some it, slot I, I feel like that uab touchdown catch no he was the only outside i think he was on the outside he was just it like was a kind short of a, a tight formation okay. yeah on the short side of the field but let me look at his snap counts real quick well while you're looking that up and i don't know if you can think about both of these things at the same time but with regard to gilbert at LSU, and it seems like forever ago now. Did he line up? I know he lined up on the outside some. Like, did was he successful? Um, in when he was out yeah. there, okay. Oh yeah, no, he was successful everywhere, really. Um, but yeah, he was successful out there. He, uh, I, I remember distinctly, he had one big uh, kind of long downfield pass to. 
uh, against Missouri that he was he was out wide for and just kind of it was like a kind of a a little bit of a modified post route sort of like kind of seam over the middle that from he ran. Max Johnson um, was that the quarterback? Uh no, it was Miles Brennan at uh, the time. I guess early on in the season. So Arian Smith in his Georgia career, this season he played five snaps in the slot and eight snaps out wide. <laughs> so few snaps, it's so sad. But he scored like three touchdowns or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then last season he played three snaps in the slot and two snaps out wide. So his career snap count is eight slot, ten wide. So uh, yeah, I mean if if. He's down to play in the slots in the slot, then you know, watch out. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, he's got three career touchdowns on eighteen career snaps, and how many targets? Um, yeah, he has nine career targets and three career touchdowns. That's got to be up there in their percentage of like school history, I would guess. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it has to be. Um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like Justin Scott Wesley. I mean, Wesley was a very different receiver, but he was a guy that was like barely ever on the field for Georgia. But the times he was on the field, it was bang, yeah. bang big plays. Burner. Um, well, real quick, and I'll I'll put this out there, and then you can kick me off. But um, I was thinking transfer wise, and I don't know if you already talked about this too. When I first got on, you were talking D line. I could see that potentially being a spot where Kirby would go get somebody if there's like an impact guy available. Uh, and I was also thinking that that might also be the case at corner again, given that we have so much, uh, I guess, inexperience. We've got a lot of talent, I think, especially coming in. Um, and well, what, do you, what do you think are the most likely transfer spots, I guess, or how do you feel about those positions? Uh, I agree with you on the D line. Um, you know, I think if they can find an impact guy that they feel like can start right away, uh, especially as an edge rusher, that would be a big deal um, that they would have a hard time saying no to. Uh, you know, I, I think at the DB spot, it'll be interesting. I, I think that's going to be determined somewhat in the spring with as many of the this class early enrolling as they are. You know Ringo's on one side. Right. Um, you've brought in Dalen Everett. Julian Humphrey's a five-star now. Uh, you know, you've got Tyke and Christopher Smith coming back. So the question is, do you want to play Tyke at the star position or do you want to play Tyke at the other safety position opposite Christopher? Or do you want to flip-flop them? You know, I, you can do a lot of things there personnel role wise. Um, but both those guys are going to be on the field that I can promise you. And so, yeah, you're really left in a spot where you have two DB positions to feel fill. Um, there's a lot of people that like DJ Daniel and think that he could be, uh, you know, a very, a very good safety and step into that role that scene was in, uh, without much. Who problem. could the other so, corner be? I mean, unless you're thinking maybe one of these five stars coming in, I, I would think what, I mean, like, you know, just, just based off tape alone, and, and tape is hard uh, because these guys can be so much more talented than the guys they're playing against. But uh, Dalen Everett, to me, is is just really impressive. Um, so he would be probably the the guy that I would think maybe could emerge uh, as a starter. You know, I mean, I think that if Ringo had stayed healthy going into his freshman year, 
as a true freshman, he probably would have started. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. What do you think about last? Where year? they go? Uh, I like Lassiter. I don't know. I mean, like you know, we've seen him on the field some, and he looked like an inexperienced player, which he is, which is totally fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think physically he has everything that you you want him to have, right? Um, so I, I think that Lassiter could could be a stud for sure. But it'll just be interesting to see how you know how everything kind of shakes out and where you know where he's able to, to progress. But um, but I mean, like if, if there's another Kendrick that wants to come to Georgia, you know, how do you say no? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, unless they like, I think it'll be telling though if you see a guy uh, hit the the transfer market and Georgia's name is associated with him. And then Georgia doesn't bring him in. Like I think that will say a lot about uh, their confidence in that defensive backs room. So I think that's kind of you know the the thing to to watch after spring practice. But G Day will be probably more fun this year than it's been in a long time. Just to kind of give everybody a look at some of these guys that that you haven't seen much of yet. So I mean that's that's something that I know I'm looking forward to is is seeing some of those guys in action after spring practice and getting an idea of where they're at. Um, but yeah, I would think that, you know, before, before even the the secondary from a transfer standpoint, uh, I think that you could see Georgia bring in a transfer wide receiver. Um, and I think that you could see Georgia bring in some transfer help at linebacker just because, you you know you had three guys that are going to the league there, and it just kind of messes up your numbers from a depth standpoint. Um, so yeah, know, a lot of it'll be interesting. Uh, no, hardly any experience at inside backer for receivers. So we just talked about all those all the guys they got coming back. Like, what is what's the thought process there with bringing somebody in? Just like a. Like, are you thinking like a cager type of guy or what's, what's the, the thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some guy that's, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a guy who's like a, a former five-star, but you know, doesn't have a track record. Like, like if Josh Downs from UNC hit the portal, then, you know, I think like that's the guy that Georgia would, would go and scoop up. I mean, if, if you look at those receivers that we were just sitting here talking about, what Georgia kind of lacks is, that you know, besides Arik, uh, you don't have too many guys that that have a ton of length and can go get 50 50 balls. Um, so you know, I, I think that's getting somebody on the outside that that you feel can go up and, and high point, you know, that fade in the back corner of the end zone, those kind of plays. Um, it, it just it would be hard for Georgia to say no to, and I think that you could probably keep everybody happy with the way that you rotate guys. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see because I mean, my, you know, my theory on kind of the, the lack of passing attempts in a lot of games for Georgia this season is just that, you know, it's a, it's a game control thing. Right. Right. So, um, and I don't think that Georgia is going to be able to just stroll out and suffocate opponents and never give up points in 2022, the way they did in 2021. So, I would expect that the offense will have to be more open, uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Right. Good deal, man. Well, uh, I'm enjoying it, and appreciate you having me on, and I will continue to listen.
Yeah, man. Always appreciate you interacting with our content. And, uh, have a good evening. Yes, sir. All right. We've got a question from uh, YouTube, and then I've got my guy Stanley here, and then we might wrap this thing up. So, uh, Unruly Simeon on YouTube wants to know who our best running back prospect is. Uh, I'm assuming that that is – you know, on the entire team, which uh, right now it's a tough to say. I think that Kendall Milton uh, flashed and was really exciting his freshman year, and then he's just struggled with with injuries and, you know, hasn't quite been himself uh, since, you know, middle of, of last season. But if he's fully healthy, I think that he is – a guy that, that can do a lot of things and, you know, he can catch, he's a big back, but can still catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think that um, he's the type of guy that, you know, if we're talking prospect, uh, I assume we're kind of talking potential NFL future. And uh, he's the type of back that can, can kind of take the wear and tear of the NFL. That being said, uh, just going based off of what we saw at the end of this past season, it's really hard not to be excited about Kenny McIntosh. Uh, he's a guy that we know can line up in the slot and catch passes and do a lot of exciting things out of the backfield. Um, but you saw him. I was on our show, on Josh and I's show, on Dog Sports Live, on our film reviews. There was multiple times in the first half of the season where Georgia in third and short situations, uh, you know, went and kind of, you know, did these halfback kind of trap plays or halfback draw plays to, to Macintosh. And I was somebody that was critical of it because I felt like if you're going to, you know, do these short yardage types plays where everyone knows where the ball is going, you should give it to Zeus or somebody that's, that's a little bigger. And then at the end of the season, they kept doing those plays and Kenny Macintosh kept converting those third downs. And all of a sudden in the second half of this year, we saw him look really, really good in terms of getting yards after contact. Uh, he only had a few carries in the national title game, but one of the biggest plays in that game was that nice little uh, creative kind of trap play that they ran after uh, the big run from James Cook to get them down into Alabama's red zone. And, you know, he goes out and gets uh, nine yards on first down and I think draws a face mask penalty at the same time. If Without the face mask, he might have – he may have scored. But, like, he was running through people – churning his legs, pushing the pile in the second half of this season. And so that's scary for defenses, right? If you've got a guy that is electric and, you know, can be split out wide and, and beat a linebacker to death in man-to-man coverage in the passing game, but also you put him, you know, back and have him, uh, have him, you know, carrying the ball out of the shotgun or, or if the quarterback's under center and handing off to him and, and he can run through contact and bruise guys up a little bit, then, you know, that becomes a, a whole different story. And his career path a little bit reminds me of what we've seen from James Cook, right? Like a guy who came in a little bit smaller, super agile, super electric, good hands, uh, very versatile back. And then, you know, is kind of bulked up and grown their body to the point where uh, you feel very comfortable letting them, you know, gut up the middle and, and they're going to be very productive doing that. So I think that Georgia uh, has a lot of great options. Um, I think Dejan Edwards is extremely underrated 
Uh, we've talked about Josh and I've talked about that on the show too. I mean, I know that he gets plays later in games when defenses are worn down, but there's a lot of times where, you know, he's in, in the fourth quarter and he's running behind the second or third string offensive line. And he's not really getting a lot of blocking help, but his vision is so good that he's hitting these little jump cuts and squirting up the hole and, you know, finding a crease and, and breaking off these 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 yards runs. So I'm excited about Dejan because I think that uh, George is always the school where, you know, they're going to get three running backs touches in crunch, you know, in, in real game situations. Uh, and then you got Branson Robinson coming in. Um, I'm on record of saying, you know, gun to my head, no injury, you know, taking any potential injuries out of the equation. Like, Who's the guy that I think we're just we're definitely going to see on the field next year from this freshman class? It's him. He's the closest thing to Nick Chubb that I've seen since Nick Chubb. He is built like a brick house. Uh, the dude, you know, looks like a a six year NFL veteran the way that his body is built and the way he's been taking care of himself. And his tape is freaky, and he's got great feet, and he's not just a you know. He's, he's built like a guy that can go and bulldoze people, but he can do a lot more than that. Uh, he's very shifty in the hole and uh, just really impressed with his vision. And there's a reason he's the number one overall running back in this class. So George is in good hands in the running back position. Um, I do think that, you know, James Cook finally got the shine that he deserved at the end of this past season. But uh, I don't know that Zamir will ever be probably – properly appreciated by a lot of people the way that I, I believe he should have. You look at what he did in that Alabama game, um, particularly in the second half, and just the body blows that he delivered and the runs that should have been three yards that he turned into five yards and seven yards and kept Georgia on schedule, kept Georgia ahead of the chains, kept them in a spot where they could run clock on that final drive before getting the ball to Brock Bowers. Um, I think he was as much a part of – that, you know, winning that national title game as, as anybody on the team. So um, always will wonder what his career would have looked like if he hadn't have gone through the two ACL injuries, uh, because I think that, you know, he could have been, he could have gone down numbers wise, statistically uh, on the level of, you know, Chubb and, and Gurley and, and some of those guys. Cause uh, you know, really he, he never quite looked like himself from high school again until, until, you know, the, the Cincinnati game at the end of last year, that was the first time it looked like he had finally gotten that balance back. So uh, just, you know, pulling for him, obviously, and, and hope that he finds his way onto an NFL roster. Uh, but definitely one of those, you know, what ifs with Georgia football that, that we all have. Um, hope I answered your question, uh, Unruly Simeon. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Um Stanley, how are you doing, my friend? I know you've been waiting a little while here. I'm adding you in as a speaker. Uh, make sure to unmute yourself. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Stanley? All right, Graham. How about you, buddy? I'm doing well, sir. Hey, uh, great, great uh, message that you're getting out there to everybody tonight and letting everybody pop in and, and you know, tell what they're thinking about this upcoming season and about this past season. Um, first of all, I just want to go back to the quarterback situation. Um, I know that Carson Beck from my sources in Athens 
in the athletic department, he was going to get in the transfer portal. He was leaving. Uh-huh. But the thing is, the school that he really wanted to go to and the one that they asked him to come to backed off of him. Interesting. So that's the reason that he's still where he's at right now and uh, did not jump into the transfer portal. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that situation. Uh, Moving on to the coaches, man, it is great to see that we've got our former players back in Athens coaching with Will Will Muschamp, Coach Mike Bobo, and Brian McClendon. And uh, Mike Bobo's a dear friend of mine, and I know some people don't like, you know, when he was at Georgia about some of the play calling, whatever and all. But the guy's a great guy, and he's a dog at heart, and I'm glad to see him back there as well, too. Uh, it's going to be great seeing all these. And the thing is, Graham, I mean, you know, Brian McClendon, you know, mm-hmm. he's coming in now, and the number one wide receiver in the nation in 2023 is already piped up and said, hey. I, I know, saw I, that, yeah. I, I love that move. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's. I don't know that there's a guy out there uh, that comes to mind off the top of the head uh, that just seems to, to have quite quite the impact and effect on recruits the way he does relationship-wise. And, uh, you know, one thing I thought was interesting about the McClendon hire, uh, you know, he, he gets rehired and you see Todd Gurley immediately talking about how he's got to come back to Athens now and Keith Marshall – uh, excited and, and a lot of former players really excited. Right. And, you, you know, I, I think it, it says a lot about him. Just there's, there's a lot of guys out there that are good recruiters that, that kind of, you know, they sell cotton candy on the recruiting trail and, and they might make promises that they can't deliver on, or, um, you know, they, they're, they're able to, to say the right things when they're in home with the parents or the families or in front of the kid. But, uh, those relationships don't hold up well once that kid gets on campus. And and it's a, it's a big art form, and it's a huge skill in this day and age with how hyped these recruits are to take the take these guys and, and really take them through that de-recruitment process and, and say, okay, you know, we're, we're here now and we got to work. And, you know, you, you were this great high school player, but – you have to continue improving your game if you want to contribute at a school that's playing for the, the things that the University of Georgia is playing and playing for under Kirby Smart. Um, you know, and I, I think he's very good at that. And I think that that is uh, something that doesn't get talked about enough, but that's that's hard to do, man. It's hard to take that kid that, that loved you when you were, you know, in his house and recruiting him and telling him how he's the, the best thing in the world and – and then coach them hard and still still keep that same level of affection and keep that relationship. And it seems like he's done that everywhere he's been. You know, his leaving was on Cortez Hankton by any stretch, but um, – you know, if he has a stronger relationship with somebody on staff that he's able to sit down with and, and talk through some of these frustrations totally and all of that, um, does that play out differently? So I think just in terms of managing his own locker room, um, Kirby Smart made some hires that 
that are really, really smart, but also, I believe, very intentional. And, and if you look at his track record over the last six years, every offseason he stops and he evaluates and says, what can we do better? And uh, I think he looked at Kimber and Burton and, you know, kind of this portal era and, and identified McClendon as a guy that could, could help the program navigate that better than maybe they, they have to this point. I totally agree. And the thing is, too, you go back and you look, Graham, you know, a lot of schools say, well, we'll take care of you if you come to Georgia or if you come to LSU or Florida or Texas and wherever the case might be. There's one thing about it. Georgia has proven for a fact that they take care of their former players. And if you look at it, with Will Muschamp being back there on campus coaching, Mike Bobo being back on campus coaching, and now Brian McClendon, they take care of their former players. And, of course – you know, Kirby was a former player, now he's the head coach. And look at all the former coaches, head coaches that right. live in Athens now that wasn't there before. Jim Donnan wasn't there before. Mark Rick wasn't there before, before they became a head coach at Georgia. Now they still live in Athens. That says a lot about this school and about what these people offer to all these people to come in here. And they make them a part of the Bulldog Nation. They make them part of the family, and that's so awesome to see. And going back to the running back situation, I totally agree with you. Branson Robinson is a man among boys. Yeah, he And is. he will be playing next year. Like you said, Graham, and barring an injury or anything, that kid will be playing next year. He is unbelievable. He is a specimen. One of my friends who plays in the NFL now, called me the other day and said, man, so this Branson Robinson kid said, man, he's, he's more of a specimen than any running back. And I seen the NFL right now. Jeez. This kid could play in the NFL right now. So That's I can't wild. wait to see him playing all as well too. I know. Um, I think we may get a moment with him. Uh, kind of like we got with Nick Chubb against Clemson in his first game as a true freshman. You know, we, we may get a moment with him in the fourth quarter against Oregon. If George is able to, to pull away or is kind of trying to run out the clock and, you know, he, he busts a long one or, you know, you kind of get that flash of, of what's to come with him where everyone is, uh, is able to get excited and say they were there when, when he, you know, ran for his first touchdown or had his first big play or whatever. But, but yeah, on all the coach, you know, I, I think that, uh, any, you know, I got to spend four years in Athens and, and it was a great experience and, you know, changed my life for the better in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I made the joke this week because uh, McClendon was the interim head coach for, uh, you know, the, at the end of the season right. when when Rick was let go. Uh, right. That you know now all of Georgia's uh, former head coaches actually do live in Athens with with him coming back because you know he's he's technically one one and zero as the UGA head coach as that as the interim um, for the bowl game. But yeah, it, it it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I think there's some people that have the concern with some of these guys coming back. Um, you know, what happens if it doesn't go well is, you know, is Kirby going to be able to, you know, uh, let go of his friends basically. But I think we've seen him, you know, uh, let guys go that he's had strong relationships with in the past, uh, when, when it was time and, and it needed to happen, uh, Coley was a guy, you know, and, and Cheney, right. I know, I know he remains close with, with Cheney for a fact, and they still talk right. regularly. So, um, 
credit to him for bringing these guys back when it makes sense. Cause I do think it makes sense. Um, it'll be really fascinating to see, I think what, you know, what will, what would happen uh, in the scenario if, if Todd Monken is, is offered a job that, that he can't say no to at the next level. Um, you know, does, does Kirby hand the reins to Mike Bobo? Does he go, the route of Buster Faulkner, um, you know, and we, that's all to be debated and discussed down the road, obviously. But, uh, but one thing I'll say for Bobo, cause I, I mean, I am somebody that's, that's joked on Twitter about like the, the play call in, uh, at South Carolina, you know, with, with the screen pass and, you know, not handing it to Todd Gurley or, you right. know, there's, there's little things we can all nitpick with any offensive coordinator, Todd Monken included, but, um, I mean, hell he, you know, took an offense. Uh, I mean, the, the most productive offense in Georgia history from a yards per play standpoint was was a Mike Bobo offense. Um, and when you go back and look at the personnel that was on there and, you know, their recruiting rankings or uh, their, you know, their NFL careers and some of that stuff, uh, I can promise you there's more talent in that room now than at any point when he was there. So it'll be interesting to see how his input kind of influences things and and you know what what they're able to do because I, I do think he's a guy that is very innovative very creative um and is always I, I believe you know had a good sense of humor about himself I uh as a student I got to, to bump into him a couple times and he was always always very kind and, and gracious so I, I wish him well yeah I do too and and the thing is about Mike uh, it's funny and all too because uh his dad is a great coach in right. high school, was at Thomasville and everything and all. But the thing about Mike is he, he'll be the first one to tell you, hey, ain't the best play caller in the world, you know, <laughs> and I've seen that through the years. But he's going to be taking care of getting our opponents up right. to date. So he's going to be, you know, getting getting all this game film and all from our opponents, getting all that ready for our scout team and everything. And that's what Mike's uh, main job is going to be. So um, I think he's going to be okay in that situation and everything. <laughs> One of my friends told me, he said, hey, man, I hope you don't try and recruit. He told Deshaun Watson, you know, he wasn't good <laughs> I said, trust me, buddy, Kirby's not going to let him nowhere near to where he don't feel comfortable at. So, <laughs> but anyway. And Mike, he joked with me the other day when I talked to him and congratulated him about coming back to Georgia. And he said, man, he said, I know where my – he said, I know what my purpose is. I know what my job is, and I'm going to stay in that lane. I'm not going to get out of my lane and all. But uh, Well, that's Jordan, great. I'm sorry, Graham. I, I know that you, you know, want to get off here and all too, uh, Graham. I know it's late and all, but I just no, want to say real quick and all, man, but uh, – you know, as far as our wide receivers and our portal and everything, Kirby's going to do everything he needs to do to get that corrected. And as far as, you know, um, getting who we need to get out of the portal, he'll do that. I mean, he's he is the one that's taking advantage of the portal, unlike any other coach I've seen before. And uh, I just can't wait, you know. And, and then you look at the Super Bowl coming up. You know, we've got Matthew Stafford and, and we got Sony Michelle with the Rams and and some other Georgia players, and then you got the Cincinnati Bengals with Trey Hill. A lot of people forget about Trey Hill, but oh, yeah. he's with the Cincinnati Bengals. Played right here in Houston County, mm-hmm. down here in Warner Robins, and played in our region with us and all too. Love yeah. his mother and daddy; they're great. Mister Eugene just had his birthday 
a um, couple of days ago. Great guy and everything and all, too. So I can't wait to see the Super Bowl and see all these former Georgia players in it and everything and all. But Yeah, I know it's – it definitely doesn't hurt recruiting uh, having Matthew Stafford make his Super Bowl appearance and punch that ticket the, the same week that his old quarterback coach comes back to town. But uh, I do agree with you on the portal. And, you know, if, if nothing else, um, Kirby Smart, you know, has shown he's proficient in a lot of manners. But uh, above all else, he uh, it, since he's become coach at Georgia, he has been an extremely good evaluator and acquirer of talent so uh i think that you know like you said if if there's pieces that need to be brought in um he'll definitely be going after him i totally agree and i can't wait to see what happens next wednesday on this uh or this coming wednesday brother with this yeah, yeah, final for signing and, and we'll see what happens there might be some surprises we always you know see those surprises happen on signing day so we'll see what else is in store for us and all too. But Graham, I just want to tell you, man, you do an outstanding job. Um, you're to be commended for everything you do and keeping the Bulldog Nation abreast of everything that's going on. I know you got inside information as well too. You got resources and contacts is there. Uh, I was in the athletic department for five years at the University of Georgia as an athletic trainer. I was there four years coach so one year with Coach Goff. And now me and my oldest son, we have a sports talk show here in South Georgia uh, every Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you've been on our show a couple of times. We yep. yeah. so greatly appreciate you being and taking time out of your schedule to be with us now on our sports show called The Talk Around Sports. And uh, we look forward to having you back on. But the most important thing, Graham, I can't wait to meet you in person, man. So either at G Day or before then, you let me know, and we're going to we're going to connect. I promise you. But Absolutely. thank you so much for everything you do, my friend. God bless you, your family, your wife, and all. And uh, we hope you'll have a great rest of the week. No, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, and uh, yeah, always always love coming on. Uh, the show with you guys and uh, like you know always always happy to to jump on there with you whenever uh, whenever I get the chance to and and yeah thank you again for for all the kind words and enjoy signing day and the rest of the week and uh, yeah well, I'll let you know when I'm in your neck of the woods for sure all right thank you Graham love you buddy y'all take absolutely care. have a good night right. family you too bye-bye all right guys well I don't think I can I can top uh, Stanley on on the list of uh, speaker requests there. Always a, a fun guy to chat with and, and listen to uh, and just a, a great enthusiasm for for UGA athletics and, and just people in general, good people. Um, so thank you guys for jumping on and, and joining us. Uh, thank you to my, my partner in crime, Josh, a.k.a. Mr. Dog Stats. Y'all go follow him on Twitter at dog underscore stats if you haven't already. Um, He's the one that makes all this stuff go and um, figured out how to get us live on YouTube tonight, which is, is super fun. And if you guys haven't checked out our YouTube channel, Dog Sports Live, please go do so. Josh has gotten some, some good uh, stuff up from the season and, and some of the kind of play, play resources and databases that uh, he and I use for the show. So lots of fun stuff there. If you guys are interested in it, it's dog sports live on YouTube. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, go follow him on Twitter at dog underscore stats. I might have said that already, but if I didn't, I wanted to make sure I did. Um, yeah, thank you guys again for jumping on. Uh, you got to love Georgia fans getting, you know, all these people on here on a random Tuesday night in January. Everybody's already fired up for next season a couple weeks after a national title run. Uh, definitely a special special fan base, and it's super fun to observe and talk about UGA with all you guys. Um, this is fun. This is easy to do, so I'm sure we'll be doing more of this. Uh, Josh and I owe you guys a national championship film review, so we will uh, get on that. It is on me, not him. Um, as I mentioned when we first started, I've been dealing with some COVID stuff and um, getting over some, some sickness and, and catching up with some work things, but uh, I am about halfway through our our film study notes. So hopefully we'll have that for you sometime later this week and uh, maybe probably some, some signing day stuff be fun to, to jump on and chat about that a little bit. But uh, thank you guys as always for engaging with our content and uh, appreciate all of y'all for following us on Twitter and sharing our stuff. And uh, even those of you that, you know, uh, even when you guys disagree, it's always fun to interact. So uh Appreciate it, and please keep it coming, and hope you guys all have a good evening.